0: Welcome to Mavsplain, where we break down a question, event, trend, or news every single day. My name is Bobby Corella from Mavs.com. Now, in most episodes, we will discuss an on-court basketball topic, but I think it's also important, too, to discuss the business of basketball, what we do over here, so that our fans uh, and everyone who listens to this podcast can gain a better understanding of how the league works. And in my opinion, there's no better way to to do that than to have people uh, join me who live it every single day. So joining me today is my boss. I'm sure that makes him happy for me to say that or to hear me say that, I guess. Uh, his name is Mike Marshall. He's the senior director. Say direct- it again. Mike Marshall, my oh, boss. boss oh, my, okay. my boss. Uh, Mike Marshall. Mike is the senior director of digital content. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, I think so. As far as I know. Uh, I haven't gotten di- updated business cards, but yeah, let's oh, go with that. I
0: didn't even know that you had business cards. Mm. Uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this is Mike's second season with the team. Before that he worked for the Dallas Cowboys, Fox Sports, you might know him from The Ticket, uh, and other podcasts that are on the Mavs Podcast Network today as well, um, and other various local news outlets. Yeah, over. Channel 8,
1: CBS 11 is where I started. Uh, obviously worked at uh, KNTU up in North Texas, but yeah, that's the, that's the path to this moment. Hmm. So
0: a long-winded way of saying you have a lot of experience in media. And so not only have you seen kind of the team from the outside looking in um, as both a professional but also as a fan growing up in Dallas or the DFW area, I guess I should say, um, and then now being on the inside. And making that transition is kind of uh, it's an interesting process because it opens your eyes to things that you maybe didn't know were the case before, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, first, last season being your first season with us, was kind of a, I don't know, ironic, poetic, full circle thing because that was also Dirk's last season with us. And going from essentially assuming overseeing duties of the digital department, including social media and a few other different um, things that you do, it's kind of our job to tell the story of the end of Dirk's career, including 41 one and a lot of other different components of that. Um, but also it was the arrival of Luca And so we were kind of in this interesting sort of in-between game of saying goodbye to one legend while saying hello to a guy who we hopefully will become the next Dirk, if you will. And so uh, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on the way that we have approached um, moving on from Dirk this season Talking about Luca, talking about KP, it's like it's almost like if you blink, you might have even forgotten that he was here last year. But it's a very—I don't know—it's a very delicate balance. I'm just curious
1: to hear your uh, your thoughts on that shift. Yeah, thanks, Bobby, and thanks for having me on your your podcast here. It's a very um, long intro. I'm uh, sorry. No, you're totally fine. Uh, I'll be probably hosting some of these, and I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. Uh, number one, but to answer your question, um, last season was such a. It's not a a burden whenever one of the greatest players ever retires, but it's a responsibility, right? It's a responsibility to tell that story correctly, to tell it with compassion, to tell it accurately, um, and to tell it from A to Z, all the way. Um, And that's impossible to do in the... The world we live in of 15 second videos of 30 second videos um otherwise i'm out and i'm scrolling to the next thing
0: and 140 characters yeah it's,
1: it's impossible to do it's impossible to sum up dirk novitsky his life um his experience here with the mavericks in a book or even in a movie uh that's two hours so the charge for me the responsibility was last season telling the story of dirk um and it's The the transition from him to Luca is going from somebody that everyone locally cares about deeply and is one of the favorite humans that's ever lived of people that live in DFW to somebody that everybody cares about now with Luca, right? And I'm sure when Dirk was, you know, at MVP form, um, everyone in the NBA. Looked at him, and I don't know. The NBA wasn't what it was back then to begin with. It wasn't the sport of the internet, which is what makes the NBA great now. Uh, but going from somebody that was, you know, Mount Rushmore of DFW culture, to somebody that's Mount Rushmore of our entire sport now, uh, is quite a responsibility to jump from that, just to shift gears. But the what happened last year was you feel like this could be the last one. And,
0: and it was never said.
1: It was never, said, it before never that, said before that moment.
0: Explicitly or even implied. And I think this is something that most people just m- might not believe. Right. On April 9th, never we had a guess that it was it, but we didn't uh, know. Right. We didn't know until the moment he said it. We yeah, did not and know.
1: I don't know if he knew. Um, and we were just putting this party together because you can't have Dirk go out as if it's a normal game, right? So the idea that everyone didn't really say aloud for the first half of the season was, okay, if this is it, what does it look like um, for him? And honestly, I mean, there's probably a couple people in this marketplace or in the world that are more qualified than I am and you are to tell his story and to show what he's been through but there's not that many. That list is very, very short. Um, I mean, I've been going to mass practices probably since I graduated, uh, college. Um, I've followed his entire career. It's I'm that age. I'm that perfect age to where when he was drafted, I was 12 or 13, um, just getting into basketball and, uh, and then just working in the media and seeing probably every interview he's done over the last 20 years. Um, getting to know him like the tiniest bit personally and what he's about. I mean, what you see is true. There's no, you know, there's no other door. Um, what he talks about and what he stands for is pretty evident. So the charge is telling people the story of one of the greatest basketball players of all time, who is also one of the greatest humans of all time. And I felt like no one could do it better than I could. Um, and, you know, it went pretty well. I think it was a, it was a pretty good success. Uh, but that whole night was, man. I mean, yeah, that night was something else. But the the specific video that you made
0: it. I mean, you made a lot, but the the video I think that you're probably referencing is the one that kind of looks like you're watching on almost like a TV screen at the beginning. Yeah, begins with him. It's the one with the Green Day
1: song. It's yeah. That it was, was kind of your your biggest contribution. Yeah, it turned into being called the Green Day video, right? Mm. Because we realized, as cheesy as some American people might think it is, and as uh, you know. Flip in as that song might have felt whenever it was played at your high school graduation or college graduation in the year 2001. That's one of his favorite songs. Mm. Like there's a video of him singing that song on that day, unprompted. Without knowing <laughs> that that... No idea. ...song would be used in the video later. No idea. that became the Green Day song. I had a different song in mind. I wanted to use a Avett Brothers song. Um, and it started... He's also a big fan of the Avett right, Brothers Right, right. He's played with them on stage before. Um, and. The, the original idea was okay, let's tell as much as we can of his story in two minutes, which is impossible to begin with. But it, the original idea was a commercial, um, and I kind of wanted to, you know, get heavy in production in it and, um, just very cinematic and kind of make it look like this original thing that I saw for Elton John last year, whenever the, he did a commercial for uh, this piano company, mm-hmm. and it started. You know, him now, and he's kind of like doing his thing, and it tracks back 10 years, and tracks back 10 years, and it's all like continuous shot looking, even though it wasn't. It was just kind of pivots that kind of tricked the eye. And then it gets back to the original moment where he gets his first piano for Christmas. It's a very touching mm. uh, commercial. It a beautiful loved it. commercial. I loved it. It's one of my favorite things that I've seen that isn't, you know, um cinema. But uh, I wanted to do that with Dirk, and, you know, we had some companies involved, and... Um, it just never came together. The timeline started getting more 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 shrunk and compact, and it just never came together but uh so I wanted to do the best I could to replicate that, right, which is start at the even I wanted to start with him and Holger even before he came over, and then you realize you run out of time and you start thinking about what do Mavericks fans most of them know about him. so you start at the airport, you start at him. With his, with that haircut and Donnie uh, and Big Don at the airport uh, pushing the cart, the luggage cart, right, to get all his stuff off the plane. Mm. And so, once you start, and to me, every you know creative person or someone that makes long form things, cutting things out is so painful. And when it's Dirk, it's it's tenfold, right? Mm. Like I didn't get. There's awesome footage of him and Holger practicing together just goofing around in Germany in this like little wooden court that like everything's for some reason a wood paneled and it just looks like you know it's it gets you into what a happy kid he was how much he loved basketball and what his life was about so quickly but you got to start where your audience is going to start which is they probably watched that on CBS 11 or WFAA or if Fox was around back then they probably watched him get off that plane on the six o'clock news. So thinking, I started there. Oh my God. Yeah. What, if, what, what, if, what, we got what into? have we done? <laughs> right. So, I don't know. We could talk all night about 41211 um, in the Green Day video, but the transition to me is it's not that different in terms of scope of coverage, but the main point is you're trying to, the audience is different. Everybody's watching Luca. It's not a secret anymore. No. I mean, it kind of was last year. Like me and you used to look at each other and talk to people inside the organization and be like, "Y'all know what's happening, right?" Mm. Like you see the, you see the water boiling. Um, and now every, I mean, games he's not even in on ESPN. They're talking about him, and the MVP race. Um, NBA TV does segments that they lead with. What's next for Luka Doncic? You know. Um, and last year it was more. Last year he was kind of doing a uh, – writing a book for your friends, basically. The the people in Germany that follow his career closely, the fans around the United States, but mainly the people inside of <laughs> the 635 loop. <laughs> yep. Let's be honest. DFW. People that grew up with him, people that knew the story, people that – if I showed them one photo from this one moment, they'd go, oh, my God, this game six. You know, that's this moment, that's this moment, um, that's 30K. Things that just ring – uh, a bell inside of your you just um, your mental brain pan and you'll never forget those moments so it's broadcasting it's writing a book for your friends and now this year it's writing a book that everybody for the entire enjoy. world yeah yeah I mean literally the entire world mm-hmm. um, our games are early on weekends for a reason um, like the 4 p.m. game tomorrow um, so And not knowing Luca as much, um, as obviously we knew Dirk after 20 years, and we shouldn't know him as well as we know somebody for 20 years. Mm. Uh, Let me set that out there. I don't think it's that he doesn't like talking to media or whatever it is. It's just he hasn't been here 20 years, and he's 20 years old. If you interviewed me at 20 years old, I would sound like the dumbest person alive. I might still. but um, (laughs) So you're trying to create content. For me, in the content creation area, it's going from, doing something to impress your friends and people that'll really, really get an emotional reaction out of it to anybody on the face can watch this and say, oh my God, that guy's incredible. I need to see that guy. So that's the charge. That's the responsibility for me is, and it's so cool to me. I had a long conversation with uh, our fantastic uh, videographer, uh, Jonathan Lim. I think we were in Phoenix. And we were talking about this job and, you know, why I think what he does is so important and... Um, how it all makes sense to me, how I all place it, and I told him, "There's gonna be, there's a kid that's five years old out there, and Luka Doncic is gonna be his favorite player, and that's our job to make him his favorite player. It's, it can happen on its own. He can be as good as LeBron. He can be Michael Jordan, but to truly endear him to kids of this area of around the world." of anybody that's living that can relate to basketball and sport and competition and challenges, that's our responsibility, to tell his story and make people fans of him because there is so much to enjoy.
0: What was really interesting to me was last year meeting people from Slovenia who came to games or connecting with them on Twitter or whatever, um, and them kind of understanding, even explicitly saying, Dirk is my Luka. Yeah, you know we have this deep deep emotional connection to dirk and so while one door closed now it's our duty to i don't know almost you it felt like we defended Lu- dirk right yeah. we defended dirk we we don't have to defend Luca, right but we're still the protector of
1: the Luca.
2: yeah i don't know legacy no, you're right. you're writing you're, you're,
1: you're writing a song of ice and fire right yeah you I mean, that's, you're that's what you are We're kind of a, we're a gatekeeper,
0: but we're also, we have the pen in our hand Mm. too. And so it's a, it's a huge Mm. privilege, responsibility. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a privilege. It's 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 just a, it's a, it's a very kind of, it's a very interesting thing Mm -hmm. to go directly from one to the other.
1: Yeah. And so many of those things I remember from my childhood, right? Like that video I showed you, it was like uh, that NBA superstars video. That was like Barkley and Jordan and Larry Bird, and each player was set to like a different song. Like Larry Bird was "Small Town" by John Mellencamp, mm-hmm. and it take, yeah, "Take My Breath Away." Yeah, "Take My Breath Away" by Jordan. All right, that was mad. Which one? I think it was Jordan. Oh, I think that it was Jordan. And it's, it's like was. an aircraft carrier and yes. like a jet taking off, yes. and it's Jordan like jumping from the free throw line. Mixing and then, him with Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then and then Barkley was uh, the Warrior, mm-hmm. um, and he's just like dunking all over people. I'm like that really. I could. Besides uh, the Allison Chains Unplugged and <laughs> TV <laughs> Unplugged, that might be the video I've watched the most in my life. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, I'm trying to make the next me, mm. not in, you know, a narcissistic way or in a. I'm trying to make the next fan of basketball that sees it in an intelligent way and has an emotional attachment to a player like the next Dirk, which, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on Luca, but that's that's where we are. And And another part of the job to me is not hyping things that don't need to be hyped Mm -hmm. you know um don't if he has a bad game don't call it a good game you know uh because the honesty and the uh this the the tact and the taste of of what you're sharing it has to be honest with your fans it has to be true
0: well that leads me to the question of Why do we post highlights and jerseys after losses? (laughs) This is something that is asked of us after every single loss. And, hey, even the best teams lose 30 times. So we see a lot of it. So why Mm -hmm. do we do it?
1: Well, short answer is because it's sponsored. Um, And people have paid for that space on our social channels. Um, And they don't care if, you know, he went one for 15 or um, if they – you know, had the worst shooting game, or just fell apart, or collapsed, or something like that. Short answer is it's sponsored. But also, if you pay attention, there are fewer highlights. There are fewer uh, jerseys, celebration jerseys. Sometimes there are none after a loss. If I don't feel like anybody earned one, mm. then you don't get one. So that's part of it. Is it's there? It exists because it's sponsored. But also, it exists in a loss because I'm always going to celebrate our players, always. Like, if they do something great, like a 30-point triple-double and a loss for Luca, I'm going to celebrate him. So you know, like, there is still a light. Even though you feel like you're down, like last year, um, where the season just got really long and, you know, uh, we didn't really have the pieces after the trade. You know, we dumped all these assets into KP, and KP's not playing. So what does it look like on court? It looks like not, not very great good. basketball, yeah. you know? Yeah. And Luca's having to fight through it a lot and be a one-man band, one-on-five a lot of, na- lot of the nights. But – um, Short answer, it's sponsored. That's why it exists. Number two, I'm going to post them whenever I see uh, or feel it's appropriate um, as a celebration of our players because Mm. I work for the fans, number one. Number two, I almost feel like I work for the players Um, and need to to let them know that even when things aren't going perfect, someone supports you Mm. and someone's here and we care about how you're doing. Um,
0: or if someone's had a bad month and they have
1: a good game, yeah, it's a, for it's sure, a pat on the back, yeah. Because and how that exists now is not a text message to a player; it's it's a social post, right? Mm. Um, that's kind of the evolution of it. They don't want you to text them anyway. No, they don't. Except yeah, Maxi.
0: So, so we're yeah.
1: We call <laughs> so him all the time.
0: We're kind of in this like uh, middle ground almost between being marketers. Uh, I talked with Becca about this um, on this podcast kind of being like teammates almost with the players but not we're co-workers there's a difference between being teammates and co-workers but we're all aimed at the same cause but also being fans so this kind of space that we occupy as people who've grown up watching the team and who spend every day around these guys but also respecting their distance and also we're charged with selling tickets and all of those things i mean it gives us kind of a unique sort of perspective on the way things work, because this is no disrespect. There are people in the marketing department that before started working here might not have even cared about the Mavs right. um, it's, that may not have even lived here. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know how Mavs fans feel about certain players. Um, there are people on the team, players on the team who are not from this country or not from this state who don't really know what Dallas is like. And, Likewise, there are a lot of fans that don't really understand how the NBA works. And so we're kind of like in charge of communicating to everybody mm-hmm. at all times, right. kind of how things how things work. And I don't know, almost like setting the agenda
1: for uh, for how people perceive this team on a oh, day-to-day yeah. basis. Absolutely, I mean, obsession is not a requirement to work in marketing for a basketball team, but obsession of the subject is a requirement to do it well, I Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, if you don't care about outcomes, if you don't know what you're truly watching, um, to me, that limits your upward capability of how do I tell this story? How do I get people to, to buy in? And when I say something really cool is being built, you believe me, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky little, uh, little area we exist in because I almost view it as something that's cool. Yeah, no, no, I, I love it. It's it's. I don't know if this works this way with other teams. Like, I think some teams kind of, you know, structure however they want. Like, digital is its own thing, um, and then marketing is its own thing. But to me, I mean, when you get back to it, everything is marketing. Um, whether it's authentic or inauthentic is the time you put into it and how well you do it. And if you're selling something you actually believe in, like, if you worked for, you know, one of the bottom five teams in the NBA right now. I'm sure your job is really difficult. I mean, you lived it last year. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there was there's still light. Imagine the year before that. Yeah, that one's that one would have been really tough. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's it's all about selling. <laughs> you're you're selling the goods. You're not selling, you know, the mid. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's almost to a point where
0: basketball fans have become at least the the obsessed ones. I, I'm not sure about people that are shelling out know a ton of money for season tickets but i mean mm-hmm. the people that you're the people that are seeing your stuff online are too smart now yeah they know if a team is trying to get a good t- a good pick mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, for so sure. a couple years ago you know we, when we win 24 games after win number 21 it's almost like a, we can't celebrate this too much because right. people consider it a bad thing that we won this game yeah even that's, though Solomon has spot. a career high. And then, you know, so you, you know, it's this weird, it's an awkward balance, but that's one of the things I think probably that's made the NBA so successful is that their fans really are engaged and mm-hmm. they know kind of the, they know the deal. And yep. so you can't BS them. Yeah. So I think it's, it's an advantage that you and I are
1: mm-hmm. freaking obsessed with, right. with the NBA. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I've, we have a, we have a built in leg up on most people that work at their jobs because we've been obsessed with our job and how it's shared and told for most of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, at some point, if you're doing it right, you you crave an intelligent fan base. You want them to hold you to a standard. You want them to say something or... I mean, and you don't really need anybody externally to tell you whenever something wasn't great. Mm. And once you've been in this business for a while, you know like, I either mailed that one in or that just wasn't it. For whatever reason, it just didn't hit the way I thought it was going to. Um, but, yeah, whenever people get mad at you for winning basketball games, that's I, – I, I wouldn't know how – I'm not sure how to navigate that. It's
0: tough, man. I mean, because you spend – especially on road trips with these guys where you've lost eight in a row and then they finally win one game and you see how happy it makes them. Yeah. And you want to kind of – you want to kind of give them an online hug, you know what I right. mean? And then you do, and it's not a lot of positivity in return. And yeah. so it's just this weird. But that's that's why I'm very happy that we have Luca. Yeah. You know?
1: winning is a winning is a major cure all, right? You know? And then you know you win one more game, um, then you needed to to get this certain pick, and then it's why did y'all do this? What's what's why did Salah have a great game against Memphis, mm.
0: you know? Kyle Collinsworth is living his dream against right. the Kings. He gets almost a triple-double. It's the best right. night of his career, but we yeah. won,
1: Yeah, so it's bad. Yeah, exactly. And so there's that there's little dance that happens right now with, with teams that are quote-unquote tanking mm. um, and why the league is so sensitive to it, because you you can't go into work and say, I'm just going to suck today on purpose, Mm-hmm. You don't. Those guys are playing for contracts, um, and it's just a world that I don't know if there's. I don't know if it exists anywhere else that a fan base will get genuinely mad at you for winning a game um, because they are intelligent enough to know what tanking is, but they're also not close and close to it enough to understand that it, I've trained my entire life to be here to try to win this basketball game.
0: And if I'm as bad as you want me to be, I won't have a job next year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's it's tough. But I am glad that we don't have to be there anymore. Basically, yeah. is the no,
1: getting getting out of that is is uh is very important because you can't do that for too long. Otherwise it's a losing culture. Yeah.
0: At and, that point. And then your fans are resigned to it and you yeah. lose passion and that's what drives not only interest in the team, but also just the industry as a whole. Yeah. Um so one of your big charges this season, uh every Every year is kind of a different approach. I mean, marketing slogans change. Every, every jersey changes. You know, I mean, all this stuff. Every year in the NBA is kind of its own um, life cycle. And this season, uh, probably the biggest outward-facing change, aside from the city jerseys for whatever, you know, everyone has an opinion about that, is um, on Instagram and Twitter, the game day posters. Mm-hmm. Every single game, starting in preseason, Uh, In addition to Three Things to Know, which is a a unique thing, and there's a couple of the unique things to every game, but uh, the poster, Mm -hmm. the tune-in, shows you what time, who we're playing, where you can watch it, how you can listen, all that stuff. Uh, It is a unique graphic image for every single game. And it's tied kind of into a larger philosophy of every game is its own story. Right. But uh, generally, I guess, I mean, could you take me through the process? Not note for note, but how do you how do you do it? Yeah. Why did you decide to do it? How do you make it?
1: And uh, why are we turning every game into a story? Why does that matter? Yeah, um, I guess I'll start with like why I started doing it. Well, we have these things called um, tune-ins, right? Which before I even started here, they were they were sponsored. You'll see a you'll see a Ford logo sponsored by North Texas Ford Dealers, and so it's trying to get the fan to the average NBA fan, average Mavericks fan, to recognize and stop down and take notes that the game is happening this evening. And here's how I watch it. Right? Very smart, very effective, just reminder, calendar, reminder type thing. Um, and so we did those last year, and I, they were they were video-based, and I thought they were really good, and they were really fun, and it just wasn't getting the reactions, you know? It just wasn't getting engagement online. People weren't – they just – if they know you're selling them something, which for home games, you definitely are. You're posting it with a ticket message, right? Um, They want more. They want more in the value meal, right? Than just hashtag ad. Yeah, than just like a 15 second video of, you know, the last game's plays or something like that. Um, So, the video wasn't really doing it last year and all through last year, I said, I'm going to change these and I don't know exactly how Um, and I had an idea of what if we made like a post-game poster for each game? Uh, just kind of a reaction to what has happened. And you realize if you, if I wanted to make something to my standards that I would want to look at and would really get my imagination kind of going, um, it would take two to three hours. And just think about last night. I mean, the game goes till 1230 and then I'm up till three making a post-game poster. And no, and, no one's even online then. Anyways. Yeah, the turnaround just didn't make sense. Mm. Um, so I knew there was something cool to be had there. Um, and that's how most of these happen. You just write down a dumb idea or a whimsical idea and um find a home for it when you can, you know. You uh you, you store up all the goods and then whenever you can disperse them, you use them uh, as you see fit. But the posters in specific, the the preseason was kind of the test for it. Um, and I, honestly, I'm not a graphic designer, like, I did TV shows, I did all the Dallas Cowboys TV, TV shows, I did an independent tv show that was on uh on a local station for three years um i worked at channel eight you know that's my background but i started getting dangerous enough in photoshop and i feel like the one of the, the the main thing maybe the only thing that makes me good at my job and good in this industry is i'm a very good curator i know what looks good i know why it's good and i can tell you um this is the good stuff that's noise, right? Just separating it. Uh, so think about when we go to a museum and the person's showing you only these 10 things because they think those are the best. Um, or the things they even keep in there to begin with. Um, mm. There's someone that controls that. That's, that's one of my skills that I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's just being very picky. You just uh, have taste. Yeah, taste. With good a capital taste. T. Good taste. Yeah. Uh, much like charm is one of those things we don't talk about anymore, right? Mm. Um, You don't realize why you are so attached to this celebrity tastemaker or something like that. Why you follow this podcast? It's because that person has good taste, right? Or they're charming. Um, Those are two things that (laughs) swear that's something like my my dad's area used to talk about all the time, right? Uh, Oh, he's got he's got excellent taste in music. Like Mm. that was like a quality that people would love. Um, Or you know, everybody has good taste in music. (laughs) Yeah, he's just yeah. We can talk about that other time, but. um, Or it's just, like, oh, he's he's just kind of charming, you know? Charming. Like, that's how you would describe people of that generation. And I've always thought, like, that's really cool. Like, that works in so many situations, right? If I have good taste in movies, good taste in music, good taste in art, good taste in in, in digital, that's going to help me at some level. And so, more than anything, I've, I've wanted to find things that I have deemed as in good taste and figure out how to do them. Because I, I will spend... Four or five hours trying to figure out how to do a stupid little thing that no one will ever notice, um, and just reverse engineer. I don't it. think that's taste. I think that's like insanity. Yeah, that's that's probably maniacal. But long long way of saying, I, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not professionally trained. I don't uh, I don't know the 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 five rules of graphic design. And that's probably better. You know what I yep. mean for for posters because I can I can jump into any realm. Okay, I want this one to look like a concert poster. Okay, I want this one to look like a travel poster for Detroit. I want this one to look like you know something from New Orleans that no one's ever seen. And so it's almost. Uh, have you seen? I'm sure you've seen Deadpool, right? Uh, yes. Okay. So <laughs> did not expect
0: you the, to ask me about that movie,
1: but the yeah. origin story that they get only through. one. I haven't seen Deadpool two. Does okay. that matter? No, it doesn't. Okay, I don't think so. Uh, but the origin story, right, is he gets. Forced, and they make they make that guy because they force him into like a tank of like no oxygen or so low oxygen that his body evolves in such a quick way mm. um, to survive. So he can you know he's super strong. He can survive without oxygen. He's like uh, his body just makes this quantum leap, and that's kind of what these are for me. Like it's a crash course in graphic designing um, and just sharpening that knife. Over and over and over. And I know I have another one two days from now. I know I have another one three days from now. There's going to be 86, 87 plus of them. So I, I'm going to make myself be good at graphic design. Mm. And I started out doing vintage posters. Um, and a lot of them still are. But uh, because if you find something that somebody made in 1980, even if it's the coolest thing for that time, I can figure out how to make that, mm-hmm. right? With the tools we have nowadays, I can mimic it in some way, reverse engineer it, take it apart, put it back together. It's like an old engine or an old whatever, old train, right? You could, if it's old enough and you have advanced technology enough, you could take it apart and put it back together. Um, So that's how I looked at those and I started making older ones. And uh, I think the first one I did was the Tulsa one. Um, It was like an oil well or something? Yeah, there's this uh, statue in Tulsa. It's called uh, the Golden Driller. So their minor league baseball team, I think, is the Tulsa Drillers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, half the work is research, right? So if it's a road game, you look up, okay, Tulsa, what's interesting about Tulsa? You might say nothing. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah. But then you like, okay, what are landmarks in Tulsa? What is Tulsa really about? Okay, there's, there's oil. It's, um, you know, a lot of stockyard uh, signage and stuff like that. And then I find that golden driller statue, and I'm like, oh, boy, what is this? <laughs> and it's just weird enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if we put a Boban jersey on it? Like, <laughs> how cool would that? And then you just kind of play with some of the elements and make them, you know, uh, Mavericky And you got a post that looks really cool. And so that was more of like a mimic. A lot of the early ones were just like kind of mimics, right? I would take something and I would kind of just put it on its side a little bit, put it back up, uh, straight up and down. And then there you go. There's a Mavericks version of it. Now what I'm starting to do is just completely new builds and a lot of it is just finding one little thing in a picture using that that curator part of my brain to find one little thing okay why does this design look cool why does this why does this work why, why does, does this
0: Porsche make such good posters
1: <laughs> right Porsche Porsche is awesome they make some awesome posters well they made i guess I mean, the yeah, the ones the new ones still might be good but they could still but just like just looking at a logo and realizing like why it works right okay it's not just the red it's, it's the lighter blue and then the outline on the, on the outside of this bottle right here right and so I'll just find one piece of inspiration and a lot of it um of late has come from like concert posters like I'll just look up vintage psychedelic concert poster and I'll just download like 10 of them to just look at and I'm just like that's so weird like why does that why do I like looking at this why does my imagination start running whenever I see this and so I've got a couple of those tricks in my bag now and I just, sometimes I just start building something and I have no idea where it's going. The first one that I think was a completely fresh build that I had no idea where it was going, I just saw this gradient that looked really cool and there was like smoke behind it and it was behind like a chain link fence uh, was the, the Mavs Raptors one with KP flying through the state of Texas. Mm. And it looks like a meteor is like crashing behind him and it's clearly like the skyline of, of Dallas. that's not from anything that's just i really liked the gradient i really liked the smoke effect looking like it was coming through a chain link fence and i was like everything and then whenever you get into your base colors everybody builds off of for for some reason the outline like green on stuff if you texture it right it looks really cool and so i just made a print out of you know the state of texas he's jumping through it in a really cool cutout and then the print around it is green so it pops and then you got to make the sky look like a meteor is falling and just make it very, very weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I've got a decent size, you know, bag of golf clubs now that I can play with, Um, but I'll get in a groove and I'll make, you know, maybe seven games kind of have close to the same look or same format, and then I'll just shift it. I'll get bored with it and kind of shift it. But it was mainly to teach myself how to be awesome at graphic design in half a season's time. Um, and people like them people are really into them uh, which is cool people want to print them and make shirts of them and stuff like that which is awesome to me Um, and it's the the original inspiration for anything like that is going where the fans already are right if I know you would enjoy this or if I know you already like this if you like artwork like this if this is something that always sticks in your brain like the um, the 77 Talking Heads cover that I did for Luca, mm. I was like, it's, it's built in, it just makes sense, right? Um, but a lot of lot of that, a lot of the job and that in particular is just going where the fans already are, following the desire lines. It's a balance
0: between newness, something you haven't seen before, but also familiarity. Yeah.
1: Something well, you yeah, have seen. Absolutely. It's, you're comfortable with it, but you've never seen an NBA team do it like that, mm. right? And that's part of the job as well is making things that, I don't want to make Graphics that look like the Pacers. All, res- all due respect to the Pacers, they would a great digital team. I'm not, we're not competing with the Pacers. Mm. We're competing with Game of Thrones. We're competing with The Bachelor. We're competing with anything else in yeah, your what life. What am I watching on TV tonight? Right. Anything else in your life that you could ever do? But if you see this one little clip on Twitter, this little frame of this one thing that looks so insane, and it gets your imagination running. You're like, yeah, Luca is a superhero. Look at him being a superhero right there.
0: You know, well they've been very cool, Thanks. but uh, <laughs> I'm sad to say we're probably gonna have to do something new next season. So. <laughs> no, they're they're good. They're good. They're good <laughs> enough gonna, to gonna keep. Gonna keep doing them.
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna keep doing them. I might split them with somebody because mm-hmm. honestly, it's. Some nights are like just sitting down at 10 p.m. and trying to get one done by like 2 a.m. Mm. Um, might split them with somebody and let somebody take them for a month, and then I do the next month or something like that. But uh, especially for road road games are so fun because I can find something interesting about that city to build it off of. Yeah. Because um, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just been in Dallas way too long, but I there are interesting thing visuals about Dallas, but I feel like I've seen them so much, and I feel like every Dallas Dallasite has as well. Mm. So the Dallas ones are usually the ones that I sit down and I don't know what I'm building. And I'm just like, here we go. This one's going to look really freaking weird, but <laughs> I'll get, I'll, and you, you should see the ones I, there's probably like five to 10 that I've just completely built and just trashed. Mm. So I'll release really, those are the beast, the B sides. Oh wow. Unreleased yeah. tapes. Huh? Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, lastly, uh, alluded to it earlier. You know, you've covered the team from the outside for local news stations, you worked for the Cowboys where you were working for a sports team but not for this team. Um, How has coming here, working for the Mavericks, and this isn't a commercial to make people want to work here or anything, but this is just genuinely understanding of the NBA. How has working for a team uh, maybe taught you new things or kind of opened your eyes? It's like, I don't know, it's one of those things where you say you don't really know how it works. And then you get here and you still don't know how it works. Maybe you just know it in a different way. I don't know. It's mm. it's a different it's a different look on... You're staring at the same object that you just see it differently yeah.
1: whenever you're on the inside. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're working on the outside and you're covering, you know, the team or just sports in general, you're you're kind of like walking by the window and like pointing at the thing and going, this is how the thing could be better. This is, you know, if I had to say in the thing, this is what it would have looked like. Or, you know, you're just... You're a commentator. You're a pundit. Um, and you're, you're you're critiquing whatever's been made. You know, I made this cup. Okay, well, the cup's not good enough on this side. Here's the reason why it's not going to work on that side. Or like going to watch a movie and saying, I didn't like yeah, that scene. Right, or, and that's the thing that will get me really fired up and uh, mad online is whenever people that have never made anything ever um, want to tell you how about the thing that they could make could be better. I'm like, you don't... Go do it then. But, I mean, that's, in,
0: that's certainly true. But um, at the same time, whenever you have former NBA players saying, well, if you mm. haven't played, then you can't talk about this right. player. You know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. all kind of the –
1: it's a similar sort of it, that deal. That's similar, but that's a larger that, – that's a different um, area that you're playing in there. To me, if you want, if you said a movie isn't good, I could make a better movie. I mean, that's definitely not true. It's a learned skill. That's <laughs> yeah. a learned skill. You know yeah. what I mean? All mm. it, the only thing that separates you from doing that thing and proving that person wrong is uh, discipline and hard work. Mm. You got that? You there? And like access to world-class equipment and yeah. every, everything. But, but yeah. I mean, you, whatever it is, whatever you're critical of, right? Mm. Not everyone's critiques are valid or worth hearing. Sure. To me. Um, I don't know how we got there. But uh, working on the outside versus working on the inside, the Cowboys was a good crash course for me but it is such just like a humongous machine mm. that you do this one finite thing. Um, and for me, it was producing all the TV shows that they produced in house. Um, and so you shape the, the look of the thing a little bit. Um, you make your little tweaks, but usually it's, you're just kind of doing a job that a lot of people could do. Um, it's just, you're good at it and you said yes to the salary and, and, You're good at keeping hosts happy, and you know the topics to talk about. It's not that high of a bar, right? Mm. Here, I feel like every decision I make has some kind of effect on something that the fans see, right? And getting from, oh, it's marketing, oh, it's whatever, to I can sit down and work on my computer for three hours and make something that, in theory, five, ten million people are going to see and it's really going to hit them in a way um, that gets them more interested in this game or just makes them think that we really appreciate their eyeballs paying attention to us, is so different to me. Um, But the outside versus the inside, um, you just understand what's going on. If you're going to critique something, um, you know the origin of it. You know maybe we don't control that part of it. Maybe that doesn't look as good as we might want it to. That's not our decision. You know what I mean? Um, and just realizing there's so many different influences and um, not proving grounds, but just like clearing houses you have to go through before something becomes an NBA jersey. Before something becomes this, that, and the third. Right? It's not. It's not the original idea to the fan base. It's the original idea, stop 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Revision 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And then maybe the fans will see some of it. Mm. Um, So it's just a different game. Completely different game. Um, But, you know, I've written critical things about the team whenever I was freelance. um, And I've said critical things about the team on air. Like, why did this decision happen? And then once you're there and you understand... Well, there's this thing that can't be said, or there's this, there's this motivation of this other thing. This he shares an agent with this person. Um, it's, it's knowing as much as you can know about the topic. Um, and some, you know, I don't, I don't get mad at fans that are upset about why didn't you sign this person or why is this person get this contract or uh, I just see them as people that don't, don't know enough to. Honestly, give a good perspective on it. I mean, think about it from the
0: outside. You can know as much as you can possibly know as a fan. But then, you know, whenever I first got this job, I thought, I know a lot about the Mavs. I know a lot about the NBA. I'm perfect for this. And then I get here, and on my first day, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know anything about anything about the game, about the business, about any of it. You kind of just are always trying to play catch-up to where I still don't really know much, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. I know a little bit, but I don't know much right. at all. And, um, I don't know. I mean, that, that pertains to, you know, especially the business side because I'm in it all the time, but then on the floor too, mm-hmm. I mean, the, why are certain things done with the team? Why do they run certain, why do certain guys get minutes? Yep. Why do they make certain moves or not make certain moves? Um, what rumors are true and what rumors aren't? Yep. And also how do I find out about it? Mm-hmm. Do I find out about it at all? Um, I don't know. It's all, it's been a very kind of, I don't know, Eye-opening experience. Yeah. No one, no one is holding your hand through it all. Right. I mean, like, right. Yeah. Our job is to communicate it to the fans. Mm -hmm. There's no one communicating it to us. It's this weird sort of like uncharted thing where we just have to sort of figure things out, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I mean, you're an investigative journalist at some point. Right. And the information that the fans receive a normal NBA fan who just follows, you know, like two or three sources, um, And maybe reads a tiny bit each week, doesn't read everything that gets tagged, you know, Dallas Mavericks or whatever trade deadline, et cetera. For the most part, you're only seeing what you're meant to see. So you don't, you don't, you just don't know. It's, it's like being a, being in junior high and being mad at your parents. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. Like you just, you don't, you don't, you don't know why they're telling you to get up early come home, do your homework. You can't go have fun with your friends tonight. You have to finish this project um, and then do your dishes and, you know, whatever, finish mowing the yard, et cetera, do your chores. It's because, you know, they're instilling discipline in you, but you don't realize that at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you are lazy, if you don't have drive, if you don't have good, you know, um, work hygiene, work ethic, et cetera, your life's going to be very hard for you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, you're probably going to wash out of some jobs and then you're going to get set back. Um, so it's the same thing. It's not understanding the motivations behind that your parents, i.e. the team, have. Um, and just truly knowing whenever you're in it and you do this day to day, everybody is doing the absolute best they can. At all times. At all times. And they're being judged in a very public way at all times. Oh, yeah. So if something doesn't work out, if a season doesn't work out, if, you know, <laughs> the Knicks think they're they expect you to make the playoffs this year, like all those people, they might not be the, have, judging by their record, <laughs> over the <laughs> last couple years, they might not have the best tact mm. at getting to the playoffs, but they all truly believe and they all are truly motivated to do the best they can. No one's bailing it in. This is professional sports. Mm. This is the show. Like, this is show business. No one's mailing it in. Yeah, Everyone believes they're doing the best they can. If they aren't, it's because someone else is doing it better than them. And that shows up on record. A more
0: local example, the Mavs win 24 games in a season, and Harrison Barnes still works on his game for two hours after every practice. And having to sit there and watch him because i'm waiting to interview him for something and i'm sitting in this room watching him work one-on-one for with sham for literally an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and i'm like please just finish the game tomorrow doesn't matter well it doesn't matter to me right it means everything to him yeah you know and that's kind of the i don't know it's kind of this weird thing where to them the game is all that matters
1: yeah it's experiencing something versus just seeing it three times a week, Mm. right? Just going to practice and seeing, you know, Maxie and Dwight and seeing how often they're next door and realizing those guys, like, whatever you do, whatever you're obsessed with or maniacal about or psychotic about in terms of, it doesn't need to be athletics, it's just whatever. They do that. They are that way to their job, and they love it, sometimes probably hate it um, but they are just extremely diligent hard workers that's why they're here mm. It's not 4A basketball like it's not just the person that happens to be in the room the the tall kid yeah like that's not how it works. There are plenty of other leagues there are whatever uh, so 15 players in each team times 30 there's 500 players in the league whatever. They are the best at what they do for a reason. Um, it's not late 90s basketball where you can just go one-on-one and you don't got to be in shape and you can play one into the court. And um, It is a complete game now and it is a cerebral game.
0: And every single decision that you make is scrutinized. Yeah. I mean, every single one by yeah. your own fans. And this isn't taking shots at anybody, but, I mean, mistakes are – way over magnified
2: today yeah
1: well and you just you you just follow whatever the camera follows which follows which is the ball Mm. so you don't see the 15 seconds of hand checking and feet movement and banging your body into somebody else that Dwight and Maxie do for an entire defensive possession just to get one rebound that might not even come to their side no it, it it could it could be short and it could just go wide and you're just like uh, okay but for them to it's almost their jobs to me are like a center in football i know i'm about to get hit by another person on every single snap and before that i have to call out this blocking scheme to tell the other people around me to hit another person with their body in an organized way Mm. and it's gonna hurt and i'm gonna get bruised and i could probably break a finger, dislocate my elbow. Or rupture your Achilles. Yeah, rupture your Achilles every single moment that I'm doing this. But I'm doing the grunt work, and I'm the best at doing the grunt work. Um, now there are, there are other players. I mean, Luke is completely different, right? He's really good at these things, <laughs> the things he does. But the guys that really, like, open my eyes from being at every single practice and watching the game from an angle that's not a TV screen, you know, it's Dodo. It's It's Dwight. It's Maxi, um, it's, it's even Boban, whenever he's out there, just willing himself up and to sprint up and down the court as a 7'3 human. Um, it's KP willing to stand underneath the basket and, like, lunge his body into somebody else. And they're trying to posterize him, you know. It's the guys that probably aren't going to, you know, rank in the top – hundred in the NBA and three point percentage or, you know, get all the glory or get all star votes. But you do it because you really love the game. It pays well. But you're doing the grunt work. You're shoveling dirt every possession. And you hope there's like this mound of dirt into the, the game that you can stand on top of and say, I won the game because I did all the dirty work. But effort is a thing in the NBA that can I mean the heat are like a really good example to me of I don't know if they ever have the most talented team on the court, but they are gonna kick your ass every position because they are psychopaths. About That's their culture. It. That's what they do. That's
0: one thing that I've learned probably more than anything. I mean, there's been, I'm, I've learned a lot and I still have a lot more to learn, but maybe the biggest thing that I just either ignored altogether. or didn't know as much about before was just the value of personalities mm-hmm. and how impactful. And I mean, just think about it. If, if you work in an office environment or if you work with other people, wherever it is, if there's someone in there that you don't like or that is either too headstrong or, Maybe he's in it for themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Bad team player. I mean, it has a it's a it has a toxic effect on you yep. every day. I mean, it's not. It might only, you know, bear itself out in, in the big moments. Whenever big decisions are made in the fourth quarter, or if you're at an office job, if you have a big presentation or something, it falls apart. But that sort of just wearing you down every single day has a negative impact on your life. And seeing that play out in a locker room of 15 players where every single player is under the spotlight, under the microscope all the time. It just really has kind of opened my eyes to the value of having people with positive outlooks who understand their place and are okay with it and are willing to be a cheerleader if they have to, um, be supportive, be uplifting, set the tone, uh, the value of JJ Berea, even if he doesn't play coaching guys, Mm -hmm. um, and buying into that and understanding that even though he wants to be on the floor and he probably hates that he doesn't play, and he probably hates Rick that he doesn't play, but he's still going to do everything that he can to make sure that Luka is a superstar. Mm -hmm. And that is where a couple years ago there was this big kind of gap between what some fans thought and what was really the truth about someone like Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Or numerous other guys, Dwight Powell even. Mm -hmm. I mean... Guys that are in it for the right reasons, um, you can't put a price tag on that because yep. that is as Im- infectious in a good way as negativity is in a harmful way.
1: Yeah, and I think the Clippers are probably going through that right now, right, where their hardest-working players aren't their best players or don't you know get the most shine, and that's causing issues.
0: I'm sure they work hard, but it's just in a, a different yeah. It's a different well, kind of way.
1: Well, whenever you're out there on a second night of a back-to-back killing yourself and literally, like, risking your career and your potential worth as, you know, whoever it is, Beverly, Montres Harold, Landry shamit guys that play back-to-backs, and then you look over there and some other guys just think they're above back-to-backs because, you know, I've, I've evolved, I'm living on Mars now, um, that it doesn't change your, like, you have to be a very mature person. Mm-hmm to say, yes, 20 year old, I'm gonna let you, the design is for you to shoot 25 times tonight and for me to do the grunt work. Okay, sounds good, Yeah, let's go do that. Uh, But it takes just a lot of just, it's just constant pulleys and levers moving up and down to make the thing work where you can let somebody that's 20 years old, that's a potential MVP candidate shine like that it takes a lot of other people doing a lot of grunt work and that's why Luca always talks about Dorian last night him talking about Dwight um, and all the little things Dwight does and you know you see his relationship with Maxie so it's important for those dudes and I think that's what's probably falling apart with the Clippers is uh, it's important for the star the person that's on the marquee to let the other people know that are the set designers and building things and the Maxis and the Dorians let them know how much you appreciate them publicly as well Mm. you need to let those people know um because none of it works you can go out there and shoot 25 times and if you didn't get a good screen if you didn't you know if kp didn't bounce out to the uh three-point line in the right way like it doesn't matter none of it matters it's just you running around trying to be Allen iverson um so to that part of the team and everybody being comfortable with their roles and accepting it, and being not only comfortable with it, positive about it. Mm. Mm. And it's not always that way. It's not always that Everyone way. Everyone has no. bad days. It happens. And so you, you can grind on you. It can be something that's a small issue that you notice in one game, and then literally a month later, it really pisses you off. Yeah. You know but I mean? I mean,
0: as you always say, you got to have people who recognize that
1: you know they keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. Right. The main it's, thing is always the main thing here. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not if you're not winning. It doesn't matter how you did it, mm. you know? No one, no one's going to look back and go, yeah, well, he wasn't really feeling it that night, so we lost And you know, game six, the first round. It doesn't matter. The main thing is not the main thing. None of it matters. And to that same end, if you do
0: win, it doesn't matter how you did it. Yeah. That's the ultimate nirvana stage of being a team. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I just never really understood. Like – Dirk would have a bad game, but they would win. I'd kind of feel conflicted about it as a fan being like, well, I wish Dirk would have scored 30 and then Dirk scores 30 and they lose. And I'm like, well, I wish they would have won. Yeah. Sometimes that's the difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you need Dirk to concede to Devin Harris. Sometimes you need Luca to give it up a couple extra times to Tim. Yeah. Are your stars okay with it? And are your
1: role players okay Mm -hmm. with it? Yeah. And that's, that's, a really difficult thing for a coach, um, and I think we have probably four or five people that focus on that all the time now, uh, with DK and Casey and you know Stephen Silas. Well, Moses very Moses very perfect at that at it. sort of thing. Yeah, you gotta you can't all be bad cop, right? You can't have mm. or you can't have one bad cop. Um, like I'm sure it wasn't the NBA for a really long time, and probably why you know people just got burnt out or whatever it is, it was, it was probably a lot of luck, (laughs) honestly. And like personality management and just uh, these guys are so good that their talents can overcome, you know, five of them being disgruntled. Uh, If there's one coach or if coaching staffs, I don't know how you do it if the coaching staff is smaller. Like I don't know how they used to do it. I have no idea. I don't know. But you need, you can't all be bad cops, right? You can't all be.
0: You can't all be milk drinkers either. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Recognizing the balance is just on all levels. Yeah. Ownership, coaching, players, support staff. Mm -hmm. You have to and and understanding all of that without even caring about the personal politics of it all. But understanding the value of a structure and the value of personality selection and and that component of a team is something that you you just can't understand unless you see it. Mm -hmm. You can't communicate it, even if you do see it. And you definitely as a as a fan, I mean, you, you can't realize it because you just don't you're incapable of. Yeah. Seeing that sort of thing because all you see is what happens on TV, mm-hmm. when really what happens in the NBA is all about what happens when
1: there are no cameras. Oh yeah, when no one
0: is allowed.
1: Yeah, and keep, keeping the game fun is one of the things that people don't realize, right? Mm. You might love—I mean, I love basketball as much as probably anybody on this earth, but it's 55 games into a 82 game season, and it's just, why do we play as many games? I can't get motivated today to come into work. Keeping the game fun and keeping work environments fun. and letting Keeping people the competitive know, spirit high. Yeah, and letting people know they're appreciated. There was a story about, uh, I think it was Dan Patrick, back in like his early days at ESPN, where they would ask him to come in on his off days. Um, you know, he would do whatever. Four sports centers, you know, the six and the eight and the whatever. He'd work four days a week, and they would ask him to come in like a fifth and sixth day. Um, and he's like, why? I'm not... Do you expect me to work this day? And it's like, no, we just we just need somebody to keep the work work area fun. Like we need someone to keep camaraderie up yeah. and just keep everybody laughing, keep everybody talking, communicating. Um, Sounds like a bobon to me. Yeah, that's a, that's a bobon. Well, that's you know a lot of dudes are like that on this team now, right? Um, but it's somebody to keep you from making it a grind, so you don't feel like this is taking something out of you um and that's just something in every industry you can use like you get so focused in on your work you forget to like manage people manage personalities and keep it fun and look up and go holy crap we work in basketball like you know that's that's one of the things that advice i'd give to anybody yeah keep it fun
0: it's good stuff man is there anything uh this one pretty long. Is there anything yeah. that you want to say? Any last words, any uh any final takes, parting shots, hot takes?
1: <laughs> no. Um, insults? Yeah, just you. Just uh, your whole thing. Well, <laughs> all your crap. I don't no. know if I'm going to air this episode. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, no. I'm, I really enjoy my job. Um I do see it as a privilege to make the next generation of of Luca fans and Make the you know the last generation of dirk fans uh feel like their time was extremely well spent, and it's they wouldn't have done it any other way um and I think we did that pretty well last season um that was about as cool as a year or a night or a final two three days those that two two days between uh two or three days between uh the seventh and the Spurs game was insane, something I'll never forget, yeah, so that was.
0: It feels simultaneously like a, like it was
1: yesterday and ten years ago, and it feels forever ago. Yeah, but yeah, I would just you know when you see something that gets made or whenever you uh, need to go negative online because you feel like that's what online performance is about, or just whatever in your life that you have the you have, you have a choice, you have a choice, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to comment. And always keep in the back of your mind that this person behind this, whoever made this, whatever's happening, they're doing the absolute best they can. You know? And it's not to the extent of... And I think it is good advice when people talk about... Um, you know, you never know what someone else is going through. Mm. That's fine. To me, it's more of a, a practical application of this person is doing the absolute best they can. Um, and whenever you want to go negative or slam something or quote tweet and just make it um, you know a negative thing about you Um, just think there's someone behind that that's literally doing the best they can and they probably have ten other responsibilities Um, but I think there's less of that now I think we're doing really good content man I'd really enjoy what we're doing
0: winnings the deodorant yeah and it's and it it is good stuff
1: yeah obviously but yeah no it makes it makes it a lot easier Um, and I'm always thinking like what do I want to see and I've had a, you know, 20 years of training of, what would I like to see if I'm I was the fan, and I would think about oh, not just okay this isn't good, I'm gonna make fun of it online, it's this could probably be better. How do I make it better? Mm. And this whole department is filled with people that didn't necessarily work here originally, that probably um, were fans that either wrote about the team or. You know, cover the team in some fashion, and we're doing it in a really creative and new way um, and knew their stuff. And the difference between a normal person and a creative, right, is it's not the idea, it's actually doing the idea. It's getting the idea done because that's the idea is nothing. Saying that this tablecloth isn't good enough or you think you can make a better one, that's fine. The creative person is actually going to do it. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. It's a self-actualization for me to be in this role. Um, And I think think fans are appreciating what we're doing. So things are going well.
0: Hopefully they continue to. Mike, thank you. Thank you, Bobby. All right, well, we'll see you tomorrow.